when you're inventing, there's a concept, I forget the name of the designer who came up with this concept, who's amazing guy from 1950s. And it's called Maya, which is most advanced yet acceptable. Hmm. And, uh, and the struggle is that if you make something too advanced, um, you're going to have a really difficult time getting people to adopt the product. And so hmm. there needs to be effort put into making something, um, uh, whether it's the interface or some aspect of it, acceptable to the general public so they can understand it. So. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several uh, startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of uh, Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents, trademarks, and everything else. Um, if you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now today we have a guest that I'm excited to have back on. He is probably the earliest guest we've had as a second episode. So I think you were six or six episodes originally when we launched a podcast and we're now up i'd have to honestly double check i think we're at 160 episodes and so wow. it, it's a it's a flash from the past that i'm excited to catch up so justin evans and i in case i didn't mention so justin um if you if you were to go back he's on episode six and uh he was talking a little bit he started out in the film industry got into lighting um and then COVID hit and it, lighting was originally i think not putting words in your mouth was kind of with the film industry and making some great lighting products and that COVID hit in a bit and you're saying hey this a lot of this lighting we can repurpose and use for sanitation we can use for to reduce you know the spread of things and to kill germs and other diseases and that and so made a bit of a, a pivot and a, an adjustment or at least in part and then is also and we won't hit on it in this episode much although I'll just give a bit of a teaser that Justin sure. is going through with this company a bit of a merger and acquisition talks with other companies and looking at that because of confidentiality reasons we, we won't be able to disclose a little bit so we're already planning our third our third episode to give an update on that aspect but we're going to hold that as a teaser until you get through a lot a lot of that because those those dating attorneys will make it life miserable if you if you break confidentiality so in the meantime we're going to give a bit of an update to talk a little bit about where the technology is at where how it's evolved and we're even maybe going to touch a little bit on intellectual property and how that kind of has played out and a few uh, justin's experience a bit on, on all of that front as well so with that much as an introduction welcome back on the podcast justin Hey there. It's good to see you, sir. So I gave the bit of the teaser, but you know, on the technology and we said, we'll hold the other parts of the next episode, but on the technology side, you know, tell us a little bit about, first of all, let's taking back. Cause I think now let me, I'm going to look it up real time. Our last episode was on, or was on May 21st, 2020 is when it aired. And the thing about taking us back in that point in time, it's actually, it's been more like seven or eight months. Anyway, you know, right. COVID was just, COVID had kind of hit, you were into a couple months into it, kind of had lockdowns, people weren't really, you know, sure what to do. And it also had a big effect on business. And so take us a little bit back to, you know, kind of you have, because I think at that point, and again, not trying to put words in your mouth, you had some right. contracts and some prior to COVID, you had some contracts and agreements and kind of on the lighting aspect for movies and films and other you know those type of things that you were looking into and then COVID kind of put a kibosh on it or a screeching halt so take yes. us back a little bit in time to what how you were starting to adapt and adjust and where that's gone for you since then so um the anthem one platform and if anyone's gone to our website wants to see our products it's at, at anthem1.com mm. um uh we marketed it originally as a light and and that was because 
when you're inventing, there's a concept, I forget the name of the designer who came up with this concept, is amazing guy from 1950s. And it's called Maya, which is most advanced yet acceptable. Hmm. And, uh, and the struggle is that if you make something too advanced, um, you're going to have a really difficult time getting people to adopt the product. And so hmm. there needs to be effort put into making something, um, uh, whether it's the interface or some aspect of it, acceptable to the general public so they can understand it. So, so um, the way that we did this is we engaged, and I, I guess what you would say is uh, marketing simplification. We said we'd invented this thing called a light. And it's not a light. It's actually an electromagnetic platform. And, um, and so the, the, the first light cards that we created for it, these interchangeable LED pucks that come in and out of the system, were all in the visible light spectrum. And, and, and we were going after the industry that, that I had spent most of my career in, which was the film industry. And, um, and so that meant, you know, prior to COVID, uh, we were just taken off like a rocket. Um, we had the Olympics, we had the Final Four, we had Nissan, we had a fashion show in New York. Um, all of these were upcoming customers that were going to be placing significant orders or doing really large rentals in 2020. And we were looking where we were in, in, in January of 2020, uh, uh, where our budget was. And we had nine months of expenses in the bank. Like we, we, were, we, were, we were already forecasting, well, what can we do in October? What can we do in November uh, mm. based on how much capital uh, we had just from, from customers? And then COVID ruined everything. COVID came along and, and uh, wiped out all those customers. The, the, the moment we found out the Olympics was canceled was the moment we went, okay, we're in serious trouble. Um, and, uh, but for us, the, this was both like, we felt it was a call to action and it was an opportunity. Um, and it's because since it was an electromagnetic platform, were there light cards that we could create that could help with the pandemic? Mm. And so the, the first one, and I'd spent two and a half years trying to explain this concept to investors. <laughs> mm. they, they, they could not wrap their heads around it. Um, mm. and, and it's a part of a overall problem that, that I've seen, which is the lack of scientific literacy in the investment community. And so when you go in with something that is really bleeding edge science, um, applied science, um, uh, th there is a point where people are like, why would there be a market for that? And, in, and specifically, this was me sitting down with a group of investors, I can remember in 2017. And I said, I think, you know, we've cracked the code. And, and because we've, we know when the device is done, we'll have these interchangeable LED cards. This is, this is a game changer because it's not just a movie light now. Now we're talking about being able to do medical grade sterilization and military grade illumination that's completely invisible to the human eye and agriculture and all this stuff. And, and I was trying to explain the value of UVC sterilization and all of them said the same thing. Mm. Why would we ever put money into that? There's never going to be a market for it. <laughs> they have probably eaten their words a little bit now, but no, I, but I, I think that it was a fair, at the time, it was probably hard to grasp or it was hard to it, think it, of it what was. the return would be on that. It was because, because it's, um, now if anyone had been listening to Bill Gates, they would have, they would have known that, that we were overdue for a pandemic, that, that there are elements to the way that our globalized culture um, is is just begging for a pandemic. So, um, uh, but you're right. I mean, I, it, it was certainly obvious that with the conventional wisdom, there was no way I was going to convince anyone 
that there was mm -hmm. value in this. Um, mm -hmm. My biggest investor ended up being Quife because when the pandemic hit and all of our contracts disappeared, and I, as I said in the previous episode, the fear that I was experiencing was palpable. And she said, if we're going to go bankrupt, let's go bankrupt for the right reasons. Hmm. Get that UVC card uh, uh, put onto a credit card immediately. Let's make it. And so I dusted off this design that I scribbled on a scratch piece of paper and put all the expenses on an Amex card, praying that we'd be able to pay the bill in 30 days. Hmm. And, and also saying to myself, well, everyone else in the country is going bankrupt. So, so <laughs> why not join the party? Why not? Let's at least go bankrupt for, a, like my wife said, a really good reason. Uh, we will have invented a new piece of technology. This is worth it. And, and to put this into context, other UVC devices that you currently can buy for a hospital um, use big, giant glass tubes. They're the size of a refrigerator. They weigh 200 pounds. They, they cost $120,000. And mm. they put out the equivalent of, of maybe around 20,000, 25,000 microwatts of UVC. Mm. When we finished our light card, which is the about this big, it outputs nearly 3 million microwatts of UVC. Mm. And so it's the difference between like a tablespoon of bleach and an ocean of bleach. And, um, and so, so now people were not immediately going to believe that we just completely changed how, how quickly you can sterilize air volumes. And that was the key here is that most UVC devices are underpowered and small. Um, and so because of that, the, you'll see like little Chinese products that are supposed to sterilize your keyboard. And those don't work. They'll, they'll never be able to work. They just don't put out enough UVC. They put out like the equivalent of 10 microwatts or 20 mm -hmm. microwatts. And, and you'd have to have that device, no matter what it says on their website, pointed at your keyboard for about 20 minutes before you would sterilize it. So that's a really mm. slow process. Mm. Um, with our system, we were sterilizing the equivalent air volume of a 2000 square foot home in 10 minutes. And so you can move that much air volume through mm. and it's completely and totally sterilized. Um, so so uh, my business partner, partner uh, Scott Hansbury, um, managed to get a vice president from bell helicopter on the phone and he was he was pushing our new uvc uh approach um and and there was a lot of naysayers there's a lot of people who were despite us being able to show had been tested by temple university and, and tested by george mason university and their mm. conclusion was you can deactivate covid19 in about uh one third of one second um from from about three inches away uh for a large volume of space it's, follows the inverse square law. And so the, the further away you go, the slower it takes to deactivate, but you're still also getting everything in front of it, which includes all the air. Hmm. It was difficult for people at first. Luck for, for us, the opportunity is that um, Bell Helicopter was in a difficult position. They had been using chemical cleaners and they had developed a complicated and, and robust contact tracing program within their factories in Texas. And they knew that they were having um, multiple outbreaks on a consistent basis of COVID-19. They traced 65 cases of uh, COVID-19 outbreaks. So that's not just a single person, but that means like a work cell and, and everybody contracting it very quickly. Um, mm. uh, and the chemical cleaners were doing the job, 
But one, they were reactive. They were only destroying the virus after people had gotten sick. Hmm. And two, they were toxic because you needed to have this device that would open up and then explode and atomize uh, chemicals into the air. Um, it would kill everything in the air. When it came into contact with the surface, it would kill whatever was on the surface, but humans couldn't be around it. So they would have to evacuate that area for three to four hours. Um, they had to pay their staff during that time and their assembly line shut down. So you were putting workers at risk because you can only a approach the problem after people have gotten sick. You can't prevent a sick, uh, an illness this way. Um, uh, it's, it's too too cost prohibitive to, to use it as a prophylactic. Um, the second problem, of course, is you know the enormous delay to, to their manufacturing process and delaying uh, you know getting a product to the customer. Um, and, and then there was always the, the potential for exposure. And so, so we went in and did a demo and, and showed them how quickly we could sterilize a work cell. And it took us 87 seconds. And so they then purchased 15 systems and rolled it out into one of their primary factories in Texas. And the co same contact tracing program that had found 65 outbreaks prior to the use of AOMI with UVC. And the medical side, we now call AOMI for, for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, uh, after they began using AOMI with UVC, they have had zero outbreaks. And this mm -hmm. is a million plus square foot facility with dozens of bathrooms and you know a lunch lunch area and 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 all the, the complexity of the facility is astronomical and they've been able to get their their the spread of COVID-19 down to zero within their facility and 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 so that's how we were able to pivot our technology um, and now we're trying to get the word out about that because we believe that while vaccines are here and the vaccines are absolutely amazing uh, there is an element to this that can make opening schools safer, can make public spaces safer, and more importantly, prevent the next pandemic, because this is not the last pandemic. And, no, and, and I, I think that's a good point. I mean, in the once and COVID is a whole different, you know, whole different topic. We go to rabbit hole on, yeah. on just all of that. But, you know, even just in general sanitization of systems and keeping everything more air, air more clean keeping the redu reduction of disease in general reduction of spread and a lot right. of those i think that generally it's a little bit out of sight out of mind in other words because of covid and the pandemic we it brought it to the forefront because we're all having to face it head on and deal with it but it doesn't mean that's any less important and i think whether or not COVID was even cured, there's still a lot of things that we could do to plan for the future and incorporate as you're doing things, I think generally, or that uh, definitely fit in with what you're doing. And yet I think that the interesting thing is what will be interesting and yet to be known is, let's say the vaccine comes out and, you know, assuming it cures, and I don't know if it, you know, fully will cure, if we'll reach cure immunity, how all that will work and don't, you know, right. but the question will be is, you know, what, what will that, how that play into our lives? And so kind of, you know, and, and I know not getting into, you know, our next episode on the merger and acquisitions, but now as you're trying to pivot your technology. We can hint, that. We can hint about it and I'll explain what <laughs> I can. Because I'm actually, I'm not under uh, an NDA any longer. This, this, it's about 
politeness and respect in the end. No, and I, I definitely but, get that. And I've been through enough of those that, you know, that you're always, you don't want to, I don't want to be the reason to wreck your deal because you're on the podcast. As great as our podcast is, I don't want anything to come. But my question was maybe hinting at that or even before. Right. So you get this, all this technology, you find a new application. Well, it sounds like it does a great job with doing a lot of the UV light and be able to reduce a lot of the disease and, you know, reducing cases, which is all great. How did you kind of get into looking at or even pursuing you know merger and acquisitions and all of that things what prompted your mind was it somebody else that came to you or was it somebody else without necessarily getting into the details kind of how did that play out because it sounds like you guys found a great purpose for the technology you're showing a lot of efficacy and how did that right. kind of start to play out for you well it uh my business partner scott hansbury that's his his expertise mm. and, um and uh and so he was pursuing a m&a deal uh, the entire so essentially, if you want to say how we roughly break down the business, mm. um, I'm focused on the day to day operations, assembly, supply chain, managing our staff, um, and invention, all the R and D, um, and he's focused on sales, mergers and acquisitions, uh, securing investment, and um, and so the whole time that I was working on inventing the technology. He was trying to find someone who could acquire the business. And uh, when the, the, the early results came in from Temple, that's, that's when we started receiving multiple uh, parties that were, that were seriously interested. And we were in the rarefied position where we sort of got to pick and choose. And we, mm. want, we, you know, we actually turned down a huge, so this much I can talk about. We were mm. offered a huge deal um, in June. Mm. And, uh, and we turned it down hmm. and it was the, 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 so I'm not going to say who the people were, sure. um, but they were, uh, we thought it was a perfect relationship because they sell PPE to hospitals. Hmm. We're like, this makes perfect sense. We are essentially a form of PPE. Uh, we're a high tech form of it, but you know, if you're, if you're worried about masks and sterilization and keeping your space clean, you might as well get masks from the company that's also selling you this cutting edge handheld UVC device. Um, as we started to dig into it, though, we started mm -hmm. to realize like a lot of people, their PPE relationships were not as transparent as they should have been. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of funny business in China that, that made us mm -hmm. nervous. And, and we decided to walk away. And, um, and you know, that, that it's, it's when you're walking away from well, it, it would have been a $140 million deal. Mm. Uh, and when you're walking away from that much money in cash, we're not talking sock. Mm. Uh, that's hard. Uh, but Scott, Scott and I both felt we're like, something about this just isn't right. Mm. So, uh, and, and that's why I'm the, the, we're now in the middle of a, a uh, the very end stage of a second deal. And uh, this one seems to be with, uh, people who are much more honest, much more straightforward, um, understand how to sell the product. And, um, and so we're, we're, we're really happy with it. And I'll be able to tell you the details of that, uh, hopefully in just a couple of weeks. 
I'm I'm excited to to have that follow on episode because I think that will be fun and it's, it gets into a world that I you know I've jumped in and out of and I get to see a lot of other companies do it and it's always a fun world and yet one that a lot of people don't know about so and one more teasers yeah. I, I'm looking forward to doing that now one of the other things maybe shifting gears just a little bit that we chatted just a few minutes before the podcast was also on the topic that's near and dear to my heart so to speak which is intellectual property right which is sure. what I do on a day-to-day basis now for the the viewers just as a, as a quick uh, quick intro is usually with intellectual property most attorneys and I would say 90 95% of them, you kind of have two, a split into how what kind of intellectual property you are. You either call what's called prosecution or you call litigation. Prosecution right. is basically getting the patents, getting the trademarks, going through the whole process with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, USPTO, to shepherd it through. That's what prosecution is. Litigation is more of the enforcement, actually going out, filing the lawsuits and uh, enforcing it, you know, bringing up, making other people pay and those type of things. And they're really a different enough skill set that you almost tend to specialize in one or the other. So myself, I, I tend to be more on the prosecution side. I've done a little bit of litigation. And then there's right. also the litigation, which we have an awesome litigator at the firm. So as we talk a little bit about intellectual property, give it just as that is one that I, I find in, in interesting and enjoyable. Um, but just is kind of a just figured it was an interesting intro to do that. So with that, tell us a little bit kind of about um, a little bit about your experience with intellectual property and patents and kind of uh, how things have gone on that front for you guys. Sure. Um, well, um, you know, we, we, we've got a number of patents for the technology that I've invented, but um, we are also partners with people mm. uh, at various factories throughout Southeast Asia. And um, I, I speak some Mandarin, and I've got a lot of friends in Taiwan and China. Mm. Um, and uh, we're, we're doing more and more of our business in Taiwan. And, and this long-winded way of getting to the fact that I, I met this amazing guy in Taiwan. Uh, we call him Dr. Joe. Um, and Dr. Joe is in his 70s, phenomenal inventor, uh, brilliant mind, teaches electrical engineering at the university level and has a small uh, high tech company uh, of his own. Um, and he has patents in the United States, but he was struggling to uh, fully exploit them and defend them. Hmm. So we are using, uh, in particular, he, he's invented this unique type of LED. And uh, we call it an LC LED, uh, sort of trademark on it. So the LC LED is a light card LED. Um, mm. And what, what he managed to do was invent a process that eliminates the gold wire that bonds traditional LEDs. And this was the failure point. And by doing that, you can overdrive them 50%. Uh, mm. The gold wire self shadows the LED. So you immediately get around 18% more light. It's easier to assemble the robots that are necessary, the automated workstations. I mean, uh, you can get lower end ones and the assembly process is faster. There's all these advantages that come out of his invention. Mm. Um, So uh, we entered into a North American exclusive agreement and we now have the exclusive right to manufacture and sell his LEDs in the United States. Mm. And in part of this is because there's multiple infringers. Um, most people think that the conventional wisdom is that if you've got a patent and you need to defend it, you've got no choice but to play whack-a-mole. You got to go after every single offender one by one in civil court. It costs millions of dollars per offender. You have to prove that they are uh, infringing upon your patent. And, and a lot of people will say the, the value of patent is, is only as big as your war chest to defend that patent. Um, and um, 
And I would argue, and I'm not an attorney, but this is my strategy. Mm -hmm. um, I would argue that there is a second way. And it's an extremely effective way, particularly if you know that the offender is making their products outside the United States. And it's known as a Section 337 action. Um, so Section 337 of uh, the, uh, I'm going to get the code wrong. Well, it's, I know it's USC code and it's part of uh, the ITC, which is the International Trade mm -hmm. Commission. Um, essentially, it flips the argument. It says, hey, if you legitimately have a patent or the license to a patent or a trademark or a copyright, and you believe that there are a wide variety of companies, single or, or, or a thousand that are offending, mm -hmm. you can name all of them in an ITC action. That um, is now their duty to show up to a, a unique type of court. This is not civil court. Um, mm. and prove that they are not offending. And if they can prove they're not offending, they can continue to import their product into the United States. Mm. If they can't prove that they are not offending, now their, their products will be exempt and they, and they can no longer uh, import into the United States. And, and one of the advantages of this is in particular in dealing with the problem of China. Mm. Uh, because as, as a culture, China doesn't understand common law. They don't value common law and they don't, really value intellectual property. And so the tendency is they tend not to show up to ITC actions. And so because of that, you end up getting a default judgment. And the next time that company or a dozen companies has their products sitting on a dock in uh, Long Beach, California, uh, mm -hmm. ready to get on a truck, it's seized by the US government. And that completely disrupts their supply chain. Now. The downside to someone like me is I'm not going to recoup any money from this. But the upside to me is someone who was infringing on my right to, to monetize my creativity. Now I can say, you don't get access to the United States. And mm -hmm. we are the largest market in the world. Um, and, and in my opinion, will continue to be regardless of some of the data coming out from China. Uh, for a considerable amount of time. So, so the, the only point of this is obviously no one should go do this on their own. This is a conversation that they need to have with their attorney. And they need to ask their attorney, is there a way for us to do a section 337 complaint or action? Um, and will it be less expensive? And is it a faster, easier way for us to go after a whole bunch of offenders all at the same time and save ourselves a whole bunch of money in the process? My yeah. personal belief is, is it's like a 10 to one ratio. If you would have spent a million dollars defending yourself in civil court, now you're going to be spending a hundred thousand dollars. And, uh, or if you were spending a hundred thousand, it'll be 10,000. No. And I, and I like that. And, and cause what I think in the, a little bit of the core it hits on is it gives people need to be strategic and how they're enforcing the intellectual property in general. And right. sometimes the best course is to just go bite the bullet, spend the, million plus dollars to do it in patent suit because you want to set a precedence you want to show that you have the staying power you want to show that you are in the right and that if people mess with you you're going you know they're going you're going to get it back and right. at other times you're just saying hey what we really just want is our competitors that are importing things that are shouldn't be coming into the country and selling them to stop that and we can stop it at the border and so i, I think that that's you know the point and i think that you know if you do that you need to look at what are you strategically doing and wanting to accomplish and you know sometimes 
people always want to jump to the lawsuit as, as quick as you can and go through courts and prove that I'm right and I feel that I'm wrong, and yet it doesn't always make business sense. And as you mentioned, as you yeah. guys were finding out, there are other options, and there's a similar one with the uh, with trademarks. So you can do it with the Border and Custom or, or Customs and Border um, Agency is that you can register your trademark, and same thing if they are coming. Yes. Other things are coming into the country that are using or knocking off your trademark or otherwise doing it. You can go register your trademark and you don't have to go through all of it. You can stop a lot of things at the border. So you're not having to go through the lengthy, uh, you know, uh, uh, litigation and lawsuits. And sometimes it's even more hard because they're not even located in the U.S. And to even get them in the U.S. and have jurisdiction makes it all the more difficult. So I love that bringing up an option of, hey, you guys are looking at it, found another way to do that. The one other thing and. I'm going to, we'll put a pause on here in just a minute because we're hitting up on the 30 minutes, but we, but we have our upcoming episode so we can talk a little bit more is, you know, the other one that to think about is looking for when I ever get into now, this is on the IP side is looking for opportunities or way other ways to enforce an intellectual property. And then the other one I always like to bring up, which is kind of another alternative is, you know, everybody always has a big competitor problem. What you get into is lawsuits is they're always expensive patent suits. You're almost always, if you go all the way through the end, you're always over a million dollars. Just is a patent suit, you know, now that a lot of times they settled well beforehand and people figure it out. But if you go all the way through, you're well north or north of a million dollars. But what you can a lot of times also do is go to everybody has, a, every company has a competitor. Apple has Samsung, Coca-Cola sure. has Pepsi, Nike has Adidas and everything else. And so a lot of times, another one that I love is you say, hey, we don't have the funds or ability to go out to this company, but they, hey, they're ripping us off. We can show that they, this is a great feature and they value it. Why don't we go to their biggest competitor? So if Apple is copying you, go to Samsung and say, hey, we got this valuable IP. It will really increase the value. And now you can they can take over and fight that fight for you. And it, you know, it creates you an opportunity with your business to rather than dump in a whole bunch of money, you've now found an ally and maybe in somebody that will acquire you. So this is kind of another teaser on that thought as well. Sure. We're, we're wrapping up towards a half an hour and I, I try and keep it so that people don't, our listeners can uh, keep on with their day and we don't interrupt too much, but I hopefully they, I think they found a ton of value in what you guys are doing and kind of, it's always interesting to see how things pivot and how things adjust. So I always have my last question at the end of this podcast, but I'm Good. going to hold that to our third episode and then we'll, we'll wrap that up on, on, as we do our, our one more follow-up to this. So with that, um, we're going to put a pause on it. We'll or bring it back on. We're going to don't know the exact exact time frame and wait, wait till the deal kind of closes and Justin will let me know and we'll get things there's scheduled up on that time frame so for those listeners kind of stay tuned because I'm excited to have the first and third ep- or first person to do a second follow-up which is Justin gets that award and it'll be fun to hear kind of how all things play out so with that appreciate you coming back on the podcast Justin it's been fun it's I been a pleasure on. it's great talk love to hear where you guys are at and it was one of the first episodes and now it's fun to hear where you're at today and I'm excited to hear kind of where how things all wrap up and play out on uh, wrapping up the next leg of your journey with that if um, for all of you now that are listeners if you have your own journey to tell or you have you know an expertise to share any other reason to be on the podcast we're always looking to share your journeys and your expertise um, so feel free to go to inventiveguest.com apply to be a guest on the podcast Two, if you also, if you're a listener, one, make sure to uh, click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find us and all, or find out about the podcast. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, trademarks, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us at, at Miller IP Law. Just go to strategymeeting.com. Thank you again, Justin. I'm excited. It's been fun to have you on again. I agree. It's good to see you again, sir. So now, everybody, stay tuned. We know, we're putting a pause on the 
I'll call it part one of two episodes of where are you at now? And then we'll okay. be talking again soon. And uh, in the meantime, good luck with the next leg of your journey. Thank you. Have a good day.